several things. Um, right after Bible study, if you have 20 or 30 minutes, if everybody offered about 20 or 30 minutes, we could knock it out. We've got our postcards that we're mailing out to everybody, about a thousand of them. We just need to put the stamp and the address label on it. Not difficult. We, you probably will not get injured at work doing this. And so uh, I think it's safe. If you want to, we'll give you plastic gloves so that you'll be, you know, won't get any uh, calluses on your fingers. But if you're able to help us after service, we get 20 or 30 people, we can knock it out in 20 or 30 minutes, and then we can mail them off tomorrow so they can get them before Sunday. Amen. Remember to pray for our Facing Life's Greatest Challenge sermon series. Then a couple other things. Uh, Pastor Olson will be in town preaching for us Saturday at 1 p.m. for fellowship meeting. Friday night, 7.30, we're going to have in-gathering fellowship. We all get together and uh, get to talk about the Lord and talk to one another. It's 7.30. You're invited. We're going to bring some food and uh, have a good time. And so if you would coordinate, if you'd like to help out bringing some food, coordinate with Sister Devonshire. That will be a blessing. And uh, we're looking forward to a good time. That's Saturday, 7.30. And then the preaching service, I'm sorry, Friday at 7.30 p.m. Preaching service is Saturday, 1 p.m. in the afternoon. And then if you have available time uh, tomorrow, next couple of days, we still have a lot of work we want to try to get done before fellowship meeting. I know I'll be here. Sister Bonnie was here uh, most of today painting and, and doing stuff. Really appreciate her help. But if you have available time, I think she's coming back tomorrow. We'll be here tomorrow uh, still trying to finish up these floors and painting before the fellowship meeting. So lots of, of work to do. We appreciate your help for those who have helped, those who would like to help, those who can help. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a blessing. We're looking forward to it. All right, book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Listen to uh, Reverend's Bible study. Um, he taught, of course, while we were gone. And so I think we got right where we need to be. We're going to kick it back just a few verses. He left off dealing with Moses. But I want to backtrack just a couple of verses and uh, get the whole context. So if you would start reading with me in verse 20. Verse 20, Hebrews chapter 11, this is the great hall of faith in uh, the Bible. Make sure my phone is turned to silent. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. See if you can't pick up this theme here in these next verses. Things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Verse 22, by faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We're going to stop reading there and let us pray. If we could have... Maybe, uh, Rev Brother, Brother Tony, would you please stand and pray nice and loud over our Bible study tonight. Amen, amen. You may... You may be seated. Tony was the only one that needed to be seated. Everybody else is already seated. I was thinking, man, I don't have a joke to give you tonight, but we got, us, got ourselves smiling ahead of time. So, again, uh, thank you ahead of time 
I'm going to try to keep this postcard here so that at the end of Bible study, and I know some folks say, boy, I help, but at the end of Bible study, um, I'll try to remind you again if you can help us at the end. Thank you. All right. We have been teaching in Hebrews chapter 11, just drinking in. This is a dessert in God's word, uh, a time of, of feasting upon the goodness of God. Hebrews is a, a wonderful book. And if you look tonight at what we read, I wonder if you picked up a theme upon what Paul was teaching here as he uh, covered those verses. If you look at it again, I think you'll see. We started in verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped. What did he bless them about? About the future. About the future. So we have uh, Isaac concerning things to come. Then we have Jacob talking to them about the future. Joseph, in verse 22, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, gave commandment concerning his bones. Joseph was going to die and his bones were going to be in Egypt. He was having faith about the future. So one of the things that we're going to see, that we do see about faith, is faith is forward-facing. It's future-facing. When we speak about faith, we're speaking about things to come. And that's why there has to be faith. Because if we're already experiencing it, we don't need to believe for it. It's already happening. Amen? But when we speak about faith, we're speaking about things we don't see yet, may not be probable, May not look like they're coming to pass, but we're believing God that they will come to pass. And so faith is looking to the future. The Bible said uh, back in Proverbs, glad everybody's here, come on in, make yourself at home. He said, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no seeing. What is he seeing? He's talking about the future. So the just shall live by what? Faith. So we're talking about looking into the future. We, when you lose your hope... When you lose your vision, when you lose your dream, you lose your will to go on. Sometimes people die prematurely simply because they've got no dream, no faith, no hope anymore. They just give up on life. And so when we speak of faith, we're speaking of that which looks ahead. And because I'm looking ahead, I'm expecting something in the future. I'm believing God. The best is yet to come. Better days are ahead. I'm going forward in the Lord. No matter what you do, when you're under a heavy load, if you ever had a, a backpack or under a heavy load, one of the worst things you can do is stop. Because it just seems so much heavier when you stop under. But if you can just keep moving forward, amen. Keep moving forward. One day I'm going to cross the finish line and I'll be able to lay down this heavy pack. So we're going to see as we look forward into this chapter that faith is forward-facing. Forward facing. It is future-based. It is seeing what God desires to bring about in our lives. So I want to just back up to that. And then he, he opened and introduced us to uh, faith in Moses, verse 23. Let's check this out. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Now, you have to wonder, what three-month-old baby has characteristics that identify it more than many other babies? They all pretty much do the same thing. They cry. They coo, they make a mess in their diapers, they start all over again, right? They eat, sleep, do this, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. What was it about 
this child. Now, Josephus was a Hebrew historian and pretty accurate for a lot of things. He writes that Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed, had gotten a vision. Now, again, we can't, this is not biblical. We can't say it was absolutely this way. But a vision concerning the future of Moses, which gives us a better understanding of why they would see he was a proper child. If I knew that my son has a future, then I'm going to do what I can to save him. Now, think about it. If they didn't know he had a future, maybe they would have been like every other Hebrew parent at that time. They were surrendering their own babies for their safety. So Amram and Jochebed had to, had to take this act of faith. Remember, the, the command was all the babies, all the male children should be put to death. And so for Amram and Jochebed, Moses' parents, to save that child was endangering their own lives. But because, like I said, we're not, don't be dogmatic about it, but um, Josephus, Josephus said they could have had that vision. If that was the case, we can understand why they would say, man, my son has a future. I see I'm going to have faith because there is a future for him. And because of that, my, my, my seeing, my vision, my belief that he has a future, I'm going to risk my life and I'm going to hide him. I'm going, to, I'm going to keep him alive. And they hid him for three months, then took him down to the river. You know the rest. That's where um, Pharaoh's daughter came and found him, pulled him out, etc., etc. Now, think about that concerning today. There are a lot of people who give up on their children. Some who don't even allow them to come into existence. Some who because of the fear of their own suffering, if I have a child, I won't have as much money. I won't have as much time. I won't have as much freedom. And the gift of life to them is looked on as a task, a drudgery. And so many of them kill their babies in the womb. That's a sad thing. They are choosing themselves over their child. Now, just natural love for a parent would say, if one of us has to die, let me spare my child. Amen? I mean, that's just a parent. I talked to somebody recently. We were at the Schnooks waiting to buy some food for the workers. Started witnessing to this guy or talking to this guy about, uh, about football at first because he was wearing Kansas City stuff. And then eventually we got to talk to him a little bit about God. And he said he had just had a child. And I didn't go into the story. Um, but I remember when I first heard my son's heartbeat inside my wife's womb. I mean, the tears just came. There's a life there. That's a, a living person inside. Now, my purpose is not if, if you in the past maybe experienced that, you uh, were part of losing a child, whether on purpose or whether by accident. My intent is not to shame you or to um, throw ridicule on you. God can forgive you. God can give you a future. But at the same time, we do want to teach and understand that that's not God's desire. When he gives us life, we should celebrate. Amen? And that's why God limits and tells us ahead of time, hey, listen, wait until you're married to have children. Why? Because then that child will have a mom and dad. And then you're not doing it alone. Amen? You have a family to raise that child with. And you need 
a mom and dad. You need that dad to give that child the toughness and the perseverance to go on. You need that mom to give that child the, the mothering and the, the tenderness that the child needs. You need them both. You need them both. Now, if you are a single parent, God bless you. God will make up for your lack. What, what you do your very best and God will, uh, we trust, as you do your part, God will do his part. But, but ultimately, it's best to have a mother and a father. Amen. Let's go forward. All right. Verse 23, verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, there seems to be a title here that he would have gotten. I am the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But he didn't play upon that title. He didn't drop names. Hey, do you know who my my mother is, do you know who my grandfather is? He didn't choose that. Again, why? In the short term, that would seem to be the blessing. I'm going to get something from this if I claim to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But Moses was looking forward. Look as we read on. Verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He chose affliction rather than affluence. He chose hardship rather than comfort and ease and riches that he would have in Pharaoh's house. Why? Because he saw forward. He saw that ultimately it's best to be doing God's will and fighting for the freedom of his people and doing what God wants than it is to choose his own comfort. Remember, it cost him something. It cost him years of, of deprivation, being out there in the wilderness. It cost him years of dealing with hard-headed people that didn't always appreciate his leadership. It cost him something. Moses didn't get to go into the promised land himself. It cost him something. But Moses thought that that cost was worth ultimately the future, the eternal future that would come to pass. Let's go on. We'll see a little bit more. What a choice. He, he chose the difficulties rather than the delicacies of Pharaoh's household. Verse 26. Esteeming, he judged, he valued the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. What is this word reproach? The shame, the disgrace, the disapproval. So for him, leaving this treasured, privileged place of Pharaoh's son and choosing rather to remember the, the Jews at the time, they were slaves. And he was going to choose rather not to be associated and take his position of power and privilege. But rather he was going to choose to be among the slaves. He was going to suffer the disapproval, the rebuke, the shame, the disgrace. Because he thought that was a greater treasure than all that Egypt's treasure houses could offer. Because he knew what the future was. Remember, faith is forward facing, future facing. We are not. Paul said it best. He said, if we in this life only have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. What was Paul teaching? He said, faith is looking beyond this life. 
There is an eternity. There is a heaven. There is a forever that we're living for. And because we're living for that forever, that future, we cannot sell it for something so frivolous as physical pleasure, our own will, financial gain, comfort. If you could just suffer through whatever hardship comes your life, there will be an eternity of pleasures in the presence of God. In his, in his uh, presence are joys forevermore. And I know that's difficult at times. We're not saying that's easy. But we are saying it's worth it. That's what Moses, and again, this is the, the example that Paul is giving us in Moses. What the eternal future holds is better than what the near future holds. Verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You ever wondered about this? If you're a Bible reader, you know that, well, when Moses was in Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter's son, eventually he said he was going to side with the Jews. He, when he saw an Egyptian smiting a Jewish man, he rose up and killed the Egyptian. When it came known to Pharaoh, uh, the king at the time, the king was going to kill Moses. And the Bible said Moses fled because he feared for his life. So does that contradict what we're hearing here? No. Just think of it, understand there's two times he left Egypt. Amen. Once he left, when he headed out to the 40 years of being in the wilderness, out there, uh, 40 years in the backside of the desert, let me say that, I don't want to get confused with the other 40 years. When he went out to the backside of the desert, and then after those 40 years, God sent him back. This time when he went back, he went in boldly before Pharaoh and said, hey, listen, God said, hey, bub, let me tell you something. <laughs> this was not a fearful man now, right? He said, let me tell you something. God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, well, who is the Lord? Let me, uh, we're getting ready to show you, Pharaoh. It's not going to be pretty. And then plague after plague after plague came. Amen. So when Moses left Egypt that time, he wasn't fleeing. He was marching out in victory, leading the people to the promised land. So whenever you hear somebody, and there's people out there that say, you know, that Bible, it's contradictory. It's really not contradictory. It's probably because they have a surface understanding of whatever it is that they're reading. And so before you buy off on that, dig a little deeper. Come ask some questions. We'll do all we can to help you because God doesn't, he's not schizophrenic. God does not have one opinion one day and another opinion the next day. Amen. He's not against himself. He doesn't disagree with himself. He puts it in the word of God. It's true. It's right. We can trust it. He's God. He doesn't make mistakes. When I was, uh, we were in the Philippines. William was born premature over in the Philippines. Um, and we were in this, a Chinese hospital. Um, and it was a, um, a uh, what do you call them? Typhoon. Typhoon coming in there in the uh, neonatal intensive care unit. And he was in one of them little boxes with the lights shining on him to try to get the jaundice out and had the oxygen in there until his lungs got good. And, you know, here you are, a brand new parent, hoping everything's going good, trusting this machinery. These doctors, you don't know. Uh, 
and one of the other kids didn't make it, and all this stuff was going on. I mean, it was high pressure, and I'm sitting down there, and, I, you know, you're just spending time. I started reading the wording on the, the machine that he was in, and it was some of the most backwards, misspelled English written all on that. And I said, man, I hope that they know how to make this machine better than they know how to speak English. Amen. Because it certainly wasn't, it certainly wasn't uh, accurate. It didn't, it didn't instill faith. Amen? It didn't instill faith. So sometimes you've got to dig deeper. You've got to dig deeper. There are those who will tell you the Word of God contradicts itself. But God does not contradict himself. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't make mistakes. If you come across a seeming contradiction, dig a little deeper, you'll find out that God does not contradict himself. Let's go on a little further. Verse 27. He forsook Egypt. Verse 28. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Now, when they came out of Egypt, if you're familiar, if you're a Bible reader, the Passover, a family would kill a lamb and they'd take the blood and they would sprinkle it upon the doorposts of their house. They would eat that lamb inside. Uh, they would eat it with bitter herbs, representing the hardships they were going through. They would eat unleavened bread, representing that as they fled Egypt, they didn't have time for the, the, the bread to rise and the leaven to activate. So it was a swiftness, so bitter herbs representing the hardness. Unleavened bread representing the swiftness. Uh, the lamb, of course, representing Christ. The blood was sprinkled on there. The, the angel of death would see the blood and would pass over that household. All the households that didn't have the blood, the firstborn died. And so the children of Israel knew, put the blood and do what God said and trust God. And when they did... Their children were spared. But the children of the Egyptians, even Pharaoh's household, all of their firstborn died. Now, they were to commemorate the Passover, the final plague that, that broke the back of Pharaoh, that said, all right, you Jews, Israelites, leave. Get out of here. They would remember that every year. It was the day that they were going from slavery into freedom. But we know, guess what? What should have been a few week tra uh, traverse into the promised land ended up being 40 years. And so though they're thinking, I'm leaving Egypt, I'm heading to freedom. They left Egypt and because of their own lack of faith, their own doubts, their own disbelief, Ended up wandering for 40 years. Now, all during that time, it said they kept the Passover. They commemorated, hey, God brought me out. But you're not out yet. You're not in the promised land yet. Yes, but I'm future facing. Faith looks forward. I'm commemorating this because it's going to happen. Amen? It's going to happen. You should think about that. When we come in and we lift our hands and we worship God, you say, preacher, I'm dealing with something. But lift your hands in freedom and praise and faith looking forward. Understanding it's going to happen. I might not have joy at the moment, but I'm going to act as if I do. I'm going to believe God. And as I step forward and look forward, then faith and joy 
actuates. You can't get it unless you act. Amen? You must act. It's a fitting type for us. We, like the children of Israel, are out of sin but not yet in heaven. We must keep the Passover, if you will. We must keep practicing and commemorating what God brought us out from and looking to where he will bring us in to. So daily we are to come out from the world and be separate. Now you got to be careful, man. The world is just constantly knocking on your doors, trying to get in your eye gate, trying to get in your ear gate, trying to, to arouse your passions through a, a fragrance, trying to do something through a touch, through a taste. All these five senses, the world is vying, knocking on the doors. We are to guard the gates. Amen. If, if sin and temptation is trying to come in, we got to slam the door. We have to commemorate, hey, God brought me out of Egypt. I'm not yet in heaven. I'm born again. I'm heading to heaven. There's some difficulties down here I have to go through. But I'm certainly not going to trade in my future eternity just for some, some comforts of the flesh now. How dumb would that be? Amen. There's no woman, there's no man, there's no amount of money, there's no, no physical high. There's nothing out there that can compare it to heaven. And to trade that and know that one day you're going to end up in hell, that's a fool's trade. And you'll say, well, I can come back whenever. Think about what happened to Jacob and Esau. The Bible said Esau sold his birthright for what? A bowl of beans. And when he sought a place of repentance, he could not find it. When he wanted to go back and undo it, change his mind, he wasn't able to undo it. Though he sought it carefully with tears, the Bible said. Sometimes you can trade away your future and you try to go back and get it back. It's too late. That's why there's an urgency to do right now. Let me get on just another verse or two. Verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. Now, you got to get the picture. You know, different people will say different things. Some will say, well, it wasn't that much water. Well, if it wasn't that much water, then why would the whole army of the Egyptians be drowned in it? Amen. If it was just six inches of water that they pushed aside, then how would the whole army be drowned in that? So we understand there was a lot of water. And if you can picture how God would, would separate that water, and maybe, I don't know, maybe one day when we get to heaven we get a chance to roll back and look at the film, get the, the highlights, amen. Let's say, hey, look, can we see what happened back then? And he'll, he'll show us. And can you picture if it was a wall of water on each side? And as the Israelites, the Jews, had to pass through, they had to trust God to keep the water off of them. And they could see it right there. Maybe they could reach their hand in, pet a fish, I don't know, you know. Maybe they could go in and and do the wave in the water as they were crossing over. But they had to trust that the water wasn't going to come in on them. That's the same thing with us. We have to go forward and trust. I was speaking to somebody recently. I'm trying to remember where it was. Um, It was a lady. 
And at the end of our conversation, I gave her a card and I said, uh, you know, the most important thing in life is getting ready to meet Jesus. And I looked her in the eye and I could tell it, it caught for just a second. And then you know, she had to go back to the business or whatever else. And there was also that instant of discomfort. When you bring up Jesus in public, it's not always readily, people don't always shout for you, amen, brother. Doesn't always happen that way, amen. Sometimes they look at you strange or they say, I don't got time for this or whatever, whatever. There's an instant of discomfort, but you have to trust. All right, Lord, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to take the step forward. I'm going to trust these walls don't come in on me, right? That I don't drown. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to step forward because faith is future-facing, forward-facing. Faith has a vision. It sees I'm going to speak hoping and trusting that God's going to take these words and bring about a change in this person's life. Guess what? You miss 100% of the shots that you never take. You got to take a shot. If, if you look, I think, it varies of course, but I think you know, Stephen Curry, one of the greatest basketball players um, right now, and I think his three-point percentage is in the 40% range. 42, 43, 44, something like that. It varies back and forth. Which means he misses more three-point shots than he makes. Now, we don't think of him as missing 58% of his shots. And if he, he's missing more than he makes, does it, does it stop him from shooting again? No. He keeps on taking the shots. I'm going to trust the next one's going to go in. I'm going to trust the next one's going to go in. Even though he misses more than he makes, that doesn't discourage him. He keeps on taking the shots. And we remember him as the great shooter that he is, not the great misser. Same thing with us. Take the shot. Invite the person. Open your mouth. Tell them about Jesus. Tell your family member. Come on to church. Listen, we don't know how much time we've got. And you may not get a second chance. I'm, I'm going to be done. I'm going to tell you my story real quick and then we're done. Um, worked in Bible college at a construction company, hanging insulation. Hard job every week around Friday. They'd pay us. We'd go into the office a little bit early. You know how it is. It's Friday. You want to get your paycheck. Go out. Get you maybe some high-class meal at McDonald's. Treat yourself, right? And then uh, go on to your, your weekend. Uh, and we were all, it was a small little room. We were all kind of piled into that room in Bible college, getting ready to have special services that weekend, if I'm not mistaken. And in walks a guy named Henry Apo. Henry Apo. Now I'm 6'1", I'm not necessarily a short man, but this guy, he was, he was much taller than I was. Great big Samoan dude, long hair, kind of a goatee, and he just had a mean look about him. And he'd walk in, you know, just looking at you like this, ready to intimidate you. He, it worked pretty good for me, amen. I'm just going to tell you, big dude, looking mean, just wanted to be nice to Henry. Uh, but as I saw him that day... I felt that, that little nudge, you need to invite Henry out to church. And I thought, man, there's a bunch of folks in here. Henry is a mean-looking dude. I'm going to wait. I'm going to get another chance. And even though I felt that nudge, I didn't obey it. I regret that. I'll tell you why. Because that weekend, Henry was going to see his sister. He, went, he was on a two-lane highway. He went to pass a car. He hit head-on into another car. Only later did he find out the other car had his girlfriend and sister in it. 
One of them perished. Henry ended up in the ICU. We, when we found out about it, rushed up there, of course, to see him. He was heading into many, many surgeries. We didn't get a chance to talk to him. Now, Henry survived. And about a year later, he came back to work. He was scarred. He had gained weight. He lost that intimidation. And yes, we got a chance to talk to him, invite him to church, and, and reach out to him. God gave me a second chance. But you never know when God nudges you. And I share my failure. I said, preacher, you shouldn't share your failures. My wife's probably cringing right now. But I share my failure so that maybe it will spare you from having a failure. Maybe it will spare you from hesitating when God nudges you. Because we don't know how much time they have. And I'm glad God gave me a second chance. But may God help us to act on that first nudge. Because we may not get a second chance. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the faith that you inspire us with and here in the book of Hebrews. People that look to the future, even in less than promising circumstances, and they said, I believe God. Whether in slavery, whether in the desert, I believe God. I'm going to keep practicing and celebrating, commemorating these, these feasts. I'm going to do what God said. I know that he will bring me through. Father, help us to act on your nudges, to believe God, to celebrate what you've brought us out of. We're not in heaven yet, but we're heading that way. Lord, let us not be lured aside by the siren song of sexuality or sensuality or comfort. Let us be like Moses, who chose the affliction, the reproach, rather than the comfort of Egypt. Let us choose to be with you, Jesus. Suffer reproach outside of the camp in hopes that we can lead others to you. God, we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.